Hello, Talking Reef. This is Astrivian on the forums, or the real name being Samuel. Uh, you may remember me and this little project of using aquariums as simulations for education from uh, an, a past episode of Talking Reef. Um, this is a presentation that I gave to NASAGA, the North American Simulation and Gaming Association. It was originally a uh, slideshow that was done in Keynote, and I exported it here to a movie, and I'm just going to kind of narrate what my notes were during it. Uh, just as a note, this uh, a lot of this stuff is more relevant for those who are interested in education to some degree. Um, I'm not going to really say anything about, you know, how to maintain your tank. So with that, let's go ahead and get started on the presentation here. Uh, the title of this punk rock fish was actually the name given to the long-nosed hawkfish up here by one of the students. I did not realize that plaid was a punk rock kind of thing. I thought it was more of a Midwest farmer thing, but whatever. So first of all, in case you haven't seen the, or listened to the last uh, episode I did with Rob, the, uh, the study that we did here was with five participants, uh, high school students, all of them. They were all actually just about, it was summer school. They were just about to graduate from, from high school. Uh, it lasted two weeks, which isn't that long in terms of uh, setting up an aquarium, but um, it was all the time we had. Um, they set up one aquarium each, which was a very expensive way of doing this. And what we did was we used this framework when we applied uh, the aquarium in the classroom. And a lot of this framework may look very familiar to you if you've ever done a used a game or simulation such as Oregon Trail or, or whatever in a classroom before. Um, basically all you do is you start with some sort of briefing. The teacher tells you um, you know, what's going on, this is what you're going to do, this is how you're going to do it. So um, in our case, you know, we introduce the students, okay, this is what you're, you're going to set up an aquarium in this class, this is why, um, this is how, um, you, how you're going to set it up using what tools, what methods, whatnot. And then later on, um, you move into the actual simulation, which was in our case, actually putting together the aquarium and uh, having the students add their fish and, and no corals, but fish and some, some inverts. And then uh, the debriefing, which is where you sit everyone down and kind of talk to them about what they did, how they did it, why they did it. Um, and then finally assessment, um, some sort of assessment of learning to some degree. We use just a verbal assessment, a very informal way of doing it. So this was the definition of microworld that we used to put together the simulation and to guide how we used it in the, in the classroom. Um, the definition reads, a microworld is an isomorphic representation of a reference system where elements of the reference system are reduced, abstracted, and or symbolized in a play space to allow for situated, immersive, and facilitated learning by a player or players. And I realize that is quite a cumbersome definition. So let me kind of go through some various pieces of it real quick so you can kind of see how we used um, the aquarium and how that fits into all this. The first word, isomorphic, is more complex than it needs to be, I guess. All it means is similar but not exact, and that comes from an article Peters down there. So a UNC satellite photo is similar to but not exact. It's not the exact same thing as a topographical map. Uh, that's all that it means. So an aquarium... A marine aquarium is similar to an ocean, but it is not an exact representation of it. The next part is reference system, and all that means is uh, what the what the microworld refers to. What 
system does it represent in some way, shape, or form? What is the reference system of an aquarium? Well, the ocean, of course. So the next part of the definition is just that the reference system is reduced, symbolized, abstracted, or symbolized into the play space. Or let's take for our example of an aquarium. Our reference system is the is the ocean, and we have to. That's too big. We can't fit that in an aquarium, so we have to reduce it. We take one times ten to the twenty-first power liters of water and reduce it to one hundred and thirteen point five liters, or about thirty gallons. That's a pretty serious reduction. But that's all that reduction means. We're simplifying the entire reference system. The next part of it is ab abstraction, and that's just changing the appearance of various elements within it. So if we take the, the shape of the Caribbean, we're going to abstract that into a rectangle. Kind of boring, but it, it serves the same function. Uh, we can recreate the, a simulation of the Caribbean Sea pretty well with, uh, with a rectangular shape, uh, or, you know, looking at an aquarium from the top down. Symbolization is the last one, and all that refers to is using something, a new element in the simulation to represent something that was happening in, in, the, in the reference system. So in our case, a protein skim skimmer is a symbolization of the crashing of the waves and how that mixes the air with the water. So next is a, is a list of the reference systems that we gave to the students. Freshwater, African Rift Lakes, uh, Asian Freshwater, Brackish, Amazonian South American Freshwater Systems, Indo-Pacific, Coldwater, and Caribbean. Most of the students chose Indo-Pacific. Uh, we had one student choose Caribbean and one student choose Asian Freshwater Sharks. The play space is in many ways a simulation itself. Uh, this includes everything, um, not the medium, not how it's delivered, but in, in our case it would include all the research that we did. It includes uh, the sheets that we handed them, the coral they had, the water, the sand, the fish, um, the lighting, the, the filtration, the heaters, the, what else, the hydrometer, the testing kits, all, all that, all that was, is part of the play space. It's all the items that they had to work with while they were building their tank. Now the first part, the briefing, consists of these, mostly these two pieces, what we call, what I call meta-world and meta-knowledge. Um, meta-world is, is everything that the students know about the simulation, or say aquariums, before you even start. So this would include anything they've read, any kind of advertisements, any trips to the fish store, any kind of um, uh, internet research, uh, book reading, anything. Um, Meta-knowledge is anything they need to know in order to set up an aquarium, and anything they need to know to, set, to play the game or the simulation. Now for our case, what we used for meta-knowledge was we had them test all these different water samples from around the area. They put together the full food web of the ecosystem they chose, the reference system. Uh, we went to the Denver Aquarium. Uh, of course, we listened to a bunch of Talking Reef podcasts, and we did a, a few little lecture styles and whatnot. All this was to teach them about um, the food web, uh, pH, alkalinity, uh, all the various, the nitrogen cycle, uh, a little bit about carbon cycle, um, some about lighting, husbandry, um, how to mix water, and all this other kind of fun stuff. Now, when we moved into facilitated play, that was the, uh, the second phase here, after they learned everything they needed to know. Uh, they learned uh, the limits of the aquarium and what they could do with it as opposed to the ocean and whatnot and, and how to manage everything. And then they used all these various tools that we gave them, the aquariums themselves, 
the various kinds of gravel or crushed coral or whatever they were using, live rock, wood, and of course the fishies. Um, and they used all this to assemble the aquariums in the way that they wanted. Um, hopefully trying to mimic as best as possible the natural ecosystem that the fish would find. So if they're using um, crushed coral, dead coral, uh, they have to set it up so that it actually looks like a reef, not just a pile of coral at the bottom of the tank. Or especially in the freshwater case, for example, when you need to set it up in such a way that it would look like the Asian ecosystem would. The third phase was is the debriefing phase. Now, I have to emphasize this to uh, anyone who's going to use aquariums as educational tools. The debriefing phase is critical, absolutely critical. This is not an option. Um, no matter how much time you spend on the briefing or what type of assessment you use over time of aquarium you use, whether you have each person do it like we did or you have one big one or whatever, debriefing is absolutely essential. Um, again, it's not optional. If you want students to learn from it, you have to do this. And basically, you have to step out of the play space. You have to get them away from their aquarium and talk about it. And there are certain structures from the research and whatnot of, of how this conversation should take place. Um, there's also two basic parts to it. The first part is usually a conversational debriefing, uh, which is really just sitting around talking to each other. And the second part moves into a more of a written debriefing. And this is what you can use for assessment later. The first part of this, stage one, is just description. And it's immediately after you're finished uh, with, the, with, with the facilitated play part. So right after they're done setting up their aquariums or whatever. For us, it was immediately after they were finished um, setting up the rock. And this was actually as a fish when they were, as we were acclimating the fish. We decided to do this part. So all I asked them was, okay, what did you do? What are you doing? What ecosystem did you choose? How are you setting up your tank? And why are you setting it up that way? The idea of this first phase is just so they recall everything that was going on and they can hear what other people were doing. Um, I'm assuming this is a group work, not just uh, a group debriefing, not just an individual person at a time. You sit them all around in a circle and talk about it. So what did you do? How did you do it? Why did you do it that way? And then you move into the second part. Now the second part, after you get them to describe everything, you have them actually explain why they did certain things and analyze the behavior of others and of themselves. So you could say, well, um, let's say, you know, one of the students did uh, the Caribbean ecosystem and has all Indo-Pacific fish in there, um, Indo-Pacific fish and corals or whatever. And then you say, well, why did you do it that way? Was that a good idea? Did that really follow what you were supposed to be doing to begin with? Um, or, you know, if you did do it that way, why is it? And the one they might say, well, you know, let's say they're setting up a full reef tank. So they say they have all Caribbean fish, but a lot of Indo-Pacific corals. And they say, well, you know, there aren't that many corals from the Caribbean that you're allowed to have in a tank. Most of them, most of them are protected or something like that. So um, if that's the explanation, then that could work. But you won't know that unless you ask them. Um, and this way you have the, the students ask each other these questions as well. It's not just you asking the questions. If the conversation of the students veers in a certain direction, let it go. Just That is what we found is just let them go where they want and you end up with a really, really great assessment of how this works. Now this last part here, application, is you have to bring what they learned from the aquarium back into the reference system as a whole. So we're saying, okay, you set up your marine tanks, now let's apply that back to the ocean. And this was actually pretty successful. We uh, we showed them a couple examples of like open ocean aquaculture. We were talking to them about that and they 
got a little they they were fascinated by that the idea of being able to raise tuna in these enormous nets out in the middle of the ocean um, we also told them about uh, uh, various other other things that go on in the ocean uh, such as um, fishing wild cut fish um, tank breeding fish or, or aquaculturing fish so you don't have to catch them from the wild anymore um, also it, we did uh, some what happens if you release exotic species into, into local ecosystems we told them about the snake headfish they caught on to it pretty quick and they started to see that the husbandry of their tanks applied very well to the um, general ecological practices uh, in the wider oceans now we actually couldn't do a written debriefing so we had to move right into assessment the students kind of rebelled on us so we had to use what they told us to assess them and there, as you can see, there are five basic steps that are recommended from all the references down there about how to assess from this. So using these steps, the first one, learning objectives, asks simply, were the objectives met? Did you do what you say you were going to do to begin with? Um, in our case, we were using uh, the food web, understanding the nitrogen cycle, and understanding the differences in those things between the various ecosystems. So using the verbal data that we gathered from the oral debriefing or the conversational debriefing, we determined, yes, we did pretty much meet the objectives. The next one is context, and that was uh, how much time and space did we allow for the debriefing itself. Now it's very similar to this next one, the type of debriefing used. So this is just simply asking, in our case, did we use a conversational or written debriefing or what? In our case, we only use conversational because the students refused to write. So fine. Uh, we had to go with the conversational one, but we had to keep that in mind when we were doing the assessment, that we don't have any actual written data. We don't have, a, um, we don't have any multiple choice tests, short answer essays, or anything like that. So we have to uh, adjust how we assess it. There's no quantitative assessing going on here. I'm not the, this is not to say you couldn't do it. Now... The next one, uh, implementation, simply describes um, did they have the materials, could they fully immerse themselves in the play space. Now this, this deserves some comment here because uh, as we found, we determined the answer is actually no. Uh, we actually had a, not a poor implementation, but you know, we didn't have enough time. First of all, we only had two weeks. Uh, honestly, if we wanted to do this again, I think it'd be better to do it for a whole semester or a whole school year. Um, then they really could get into all the various aspects of the aquariums um, and of their, uh, you know, all the life in it. They could add a lot more. Their tanks would mature all the way to the, pretty much the end, if you will. And they could go through the sand bed. They could explore stuff in there. They could see the algae growth. They could truly monitor the levels and watch the tank as it, as it matures over time. Um, they could also, also, we don't think, in retrospect, I don't think we had enough money to really do it. Um, if we had done one tank, I think this would have been a little bit easier, but we didn't have enough variety of live rock and um, dead coral and fish species and all this other stuff that they could use. Um, we also didn't have very many different kinds of aquariums. They were all pretty much the same 30-gallon, 30-35-gallon um, tanks. That's about all we had. We had smaller ones, but no one wanted those, of course. Um, a couple students actually went out and bought their own uh, aquariums, which we were fine with. Now, if we were to do, again, you know, one tank, we'd probably just go buy one huge one, and that would eliminate a lot of that problem, see if we could find a lot of donated stuff and a lot of used equipment. But so in terms of the implementation, we thought actually that it could have been better, and this actually helps explain something. When we are actually looking at their tanks, they are far different than what they were saying they wanted to do. So for example, if you take a look at this one, this is um, 
the freshwater Asian with sharks uh, aquarium that uh, you can kind of see blurs of some of the sharks in here, but it, that he wanted to do. Now, remember, he wanted to do a uh, fully planted aquarium uh, complete with a live bottom, uh, all grass, you know, grassy looking bottom, a tall, you know, Amazon and swords and other various kinds of plants. And all that's in there right now is a piece of um, lava rock, which is that redstone, and a small piece of uh, anacris. But his description sounded more like this picture. Now, this is actually an image from the Vancouver Aquarium, one of their Amazon setups. Now, this is more or less what he was describing, but if you can see the difference between these two images here, um, he was not able to set it up nearly as what he wanted to do. And that was actually indicated to us a lack of adequate resources. And so we couldn't really grade them based on the, the look of their tank alone. We had to really go by what they were saying uh, in large part. So this last part, the learning process, uh, this just asks, you know, what kind of learning strategies do we use? And um, that really means, you know, do we use lectures? Do we use uh, video? Do we use podcasts? And um, we used a whole huge variety of different stuff. Now, that led to some interesting conclusions as well that uh, we'll get to, and I'll get to in just a little bit here. Um, but the first thing that we need to talk about is transfer. Now, transfer is the application of knowledge uh, gleaned from the the play space or the micro world or the simulation to the reference system. So in other words, it's saying, okay, you, you set up your aquarium, you know how to set up your aquarium now, uh, you learned a great deal about that. Does that mean you know anything about aquatic ecosystems? Can you transfer that knowledge from the aquarium and apply it in the actual reference system in the case of aquarium? And we actually found a couple different uh, types of transfer, actually. We found the standard going from the play space to the reference system uh, we call that forward transfer, uh, this one here, from the aquarium to the, to the reef. But they also demonstrated what we kind of refer to as backwards. They would actually go start from the uh, reef and go and transfer back to their aquarium. So one such example of this was uh, coral bleaching, actually. We had one student that was in uh, Premier Fish and Reef during our tour, and uh, we started up a discussion uh, with the owner uh, there about uh, fluctuations in ocean temperatures, specifically in the Caribbean, and how that resulted uh, to coral bleaching, such as in this chart. All the green dots are observed coral bleaching, uh, 1997 to 2000. So um, we were talking about that, and he knew that uh, fluctuations in ocean temperatures, such as this, um, resulted in the die-off of the coral, or them to expel the zooxanthellae. Um, and then eventually die off. And so he transferred that back to his aquarium when he asked, well, you know, is this heater going to hold my temperature constant in my aquarium or will the te temperature fluctuate so much that any uh, coral that I wanted to, you know, that he wanted to do later put in there would die? Well, it turns out that the heater did fluctuate. It fluctuated about eight degrees Celsius. Now, uh, what she knew from the store was, and from that discussion was way too much. So that was an example of transferring knowledge backwards from the reference system to the play space. So another type of transfer that we noticed that was much more rare than uh, than the forward and backward, what we called triple, and that was uh, one of them starting from the play space, moving to the reference system, and then back to the play space. So uh, they would start in their aquarium, they would notice something in there, say the growth of uh, copepods or amphipods, um, check it out in the reference system or their or their ecosystem, and see, oh yes, these are very common, and then go back to their aquarium and say, okay, we need how do we cultivate these? How do we get these to grow? Uh, that was a case for one of the students who wanted a mandarin. Uh, the other one that was um, more common than that was um, reference system, play space, back to the reference system. So they would learn something about the reference system, 
uh, or the aquatic ecosystem, they would apply it in their aquarium, test it out, uh, make some kind of observation there, and then go back to the reference system and check it and see if that was true as well. So now this part I wanted to talk about how uh, the learning strategies that we use a little bit more. Um, this is a, a graph or a chart of the various learning strategies that we use. So the top part given is um, place-based reference system PS2RS, RS2PS3 and not given, NG. Um, that is how we presented the knowledge to the students. Um, so for example, if we just said something in the, you should keep your aquarium this way because it's gonna help your aquarium, that's classified as just PS, just the play space. The knowledge was given only in the context of the play space. Uh, RS, reference system uh, column, is, well, we told them something about the aquatic ecosystem, but didn't apply it to the aquarium at all. Um, the other way is, uh, uh, the play space to the reference system is just that. We said, oh, um, the pH of your aquarium should be between, you know, what is it, 8.3 or something like that. So, uh, and that is what the pH is of the ocean in this area. In the Indo-Pacific, the pH is this. So we connected it to them um, directly to one another. We started in the play space and moved to the reference system. The other column is the exact opposite. We talk about, say, take the coral bleaching one, for example. Um, we said, okay, well, in the in aquatic ecosystems, the the temperature range is this. Therefore, your temperature range in your aquarium should be the same thing, uh, if you're doing that ecosystem. So, uh, the not given is, is we didn't give it to them. That's something they researched on their own. Now you see the same uh, the same information going down as the rows. So given that's how we presented the information. Demonstrated is how they returned it back to us. So. As you can see from this chart, let's take the uh, the first column, for example. So if you look at this first column, the highlighted one here, uh, you can see that if we gave the information in the context of the play space only, in other words, we said you have to keep your aquarium this way because of this, um, because that's the way you're supposed to keep your aquarium. Um, when they demonstrated this knowledge, they demonstrated it only in the context of their aquarium. They, didn't, they did not, in other words, transfer it to... Uh, to the aquatic ecosystem, um, or they just plain didn't demonstrate it at all uh, down at the very bottom, ND, not demonstrated. Uh, there was one case where there was actually transferred. Uh, most of the time, though, as you can see, it was a rare occurrence. Um, if we gave information to them in the context of the aquarium only, and you don't make the deliberate connection to the aquatic ecosystem or the reference system in general, it will not be transferred, is what we concluded from that. So these next two columns are probably the two more interesting ones that uh, we took away with. Uh, basically, it didn't to us it didn't quite seem to matter whether we started from the play space and went to the reference system or started with the reference system and for the play space. Although uh, it does look better, uh, reference system to play play space. So basically, what we what we concluded from this was was the following. Um, that the, there has to be a deliberate connection in the delivery of the knowledge. You have to connect the aquarium or the micro world to the reference system or aquatic ecosystem. So that, that connection has to be made for the students. Um, it's not something that's not going to be a leap of faith on their part. You have to explicitly give it to them. Um, and I'm not sure we didn't have very many subjects. So statistically speaking or qu quantitative statistically speaking, um, I don't think these numbers are significant. I didn't bother checking. But um, so it, to us, I, I, honestly, I didn't think that it mattered so much uh, which way you gave it. Whether you started, said, okay, 
in the aquarium, this works this way, this matters for the aquatic ecosystem because blah, blah, blah. Or if you start from the ecosystem, like the coral bleaching one, and, and say, okay, this applies to your aquarium because of such and such. So it didn't seem to matter so much for that. Um, we didn't conclude. But that connection has to be made. As long as that connection's there, it will be returned in the same way. The demonstrated knowledge will be very similar. So now this chart, this next chart here, uh, shows how we gave, you know, what, what uh, strategy, what teaching strategy we used to deliver whatever, whatever meta-knowledge it was. So whether we modeled the behavior, we used just expository instruction in the case of, you know, just lectures or talking and telling them. Uh, researched is our, um, a lot of the research that they did on their own um, in a lot of lab time. And uh, two or more just combined two or more. As you can see from this, uh, uh, D is demonstrated and D is not demonstrated. What I thought was interesting about this is modeled behavior was simply never returned to us. They never demonstrated that they understood that. Uh, what seemed to work best was expository or researched on their own. And what we took away from this, again, was that in co combination with the last chart, it didn't matter so much how the knowledge was delivered to them as long as the two were connected, as long as whatever you told them was connected to their game, in other words, to the simulation, to the aquarium, then it would be returned, regardless of how you gave it to them. Okay, so in conclusion, let's go back to our little model that we had originally. Um, this didn't work. Uh, that was the major conclusion that we had. Instead, this is a better example. Um, the cyclical, I, the cyclical uh, processes between especially the briefing and facilitated play, students would go back and forth and back and forth. Technically speaking, uh, all the meta-knowledge they should have gained from us talking about it during the briefing, that's not what happened. They would go back and forth to the computer lab, to the aquarium, back to the computer lab. We think that allowed for that three-way transfer that we saw earlier. Um, that was a major contributor to it. And a linear process was way too restricting. So we just let them go. Um, if they wanted to do more research, that was fine. Now, the thing that links the two is the premise, uh, the, the, the reason they have for playing. Um, so under the briefing, we had the meta world, meta knowledge, and suspension of disbelief. Under facilitated play, uh, we just have immersive exploration. And that was, again, that was a part that we kind of, you know, lost a little bit. Um, and then we did a very deliberate move over to the next cyclical part, which was... Um, Debriefing and assessment, the two blobs there. Um, debriefing was uh, going through back and forth between the three stages. And that, again, was back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. We didn't, um, we didn't restrict them in any way on that. Uh, we went from describing, describing uh, just what they did to an analyzing what they did back to describing and back, you know. Um, so the three steps were also weren't linear. And the assessment, at least in our case, uh, came out to be part of the debriefing itself. And we thought that it kind of, they flowed very nicely together. And they would correct themselves. So more of a collaborative effort uh, of learning at that point. So now a future study, this is kind of what we hypothesized. Um, first of all, is there something that connects the debriefing and assessment similar to premise? That's, uh, we didn't see much evidence of that. This is more of a hunch and uh, a desire for um, symmetry in the drawing but uh, than anything else. But the other thing that we were wondering is that other red arrow. Well, wait a minute. If, the, if these two sort of blobs, these egg-shaped things, are cyclical, if you can go from briefing to facilitate play over and over and debriefing to assessment over and over, can you go back and forth between these two major spots? I mean, is it bad if you, during the debriefing you send everyone back to the to the aquariums or to the simulation, uh, to the micro world to, to mess around again. So 
Um, that would be something that we would check out in the future and see if that would work and uh, what what results from that. Um, what kinds of information could we get from that? So again, um, thank you so much uh, for you know putting up with this whole thing. I realize it was uh, pushing almost a half hour here, but uh, I hope you enjoyed it. I hope you learned something and um, have a good one.